0: We are live from America, the Empire of Lies, and just outside the Matrix. It's time for the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm investigative journalist Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. Now, it's theoretically a Carmine Monday. Have we heard from Carmine yet, uh, Rod? Rod? Okay, Carmine's here. What do you know? It is a Carmine Monday. Hey, Carmine, how are you doing?
1: I'm
2: great. How are you, my man?
0: Good. I'm very good. Uh, Obviously, we'll get to the Elon Musk news. He acquired Twitter, and that's apparently he could be changing the carpets by this afternoon. They're saying he's taking over very quickly. So we'll talk about that, but we got a great show today. Uh, Carmine Savio is with us as our co-host, it being Carmine Monday, and joining us in the first hour, Scotty Nell Hughes, someone who could be great to talk to about the Twitter acquisition. Then in the second hour, we would appreciate the interview. We did with a journalist named Sonia Bander, and and she's been in Mariupol and interviewing people, and it is a fantastic interview. So you won't want to miss that. That's today, Carmine. What's the name of the show? It's the Backstory. A satisfying thud. So, Carmine, uh, I'll just get you a couple of headlines quickly that we won't talk about. So, in the French election, Macron won. Le-, Le Pen, she lost by about 10 points, which is closer than she's come before. But Macron won. So that's settled. I don't know much to say about that. Also, Carmine, you saw that Donald Trump is under a contempt of court ruling. He has to turn over documents that he says he's turned over or face $10,000 a day fine in New York. Any comments on that story, Carmine?
2: I mean, nothing. Nothing that's not expected. I mean, I I expected something like that. I mean, a liberal judge held Trump in contempt. Come on.
0: And also, he says, his attorneys say, that he's turned over all the documents. So if that's the case, I don't know. You know, these disputes happen, but— it's not clear to me, I would not be surprised. I don't think Trump can get a fair shake in the New York course. Do you, Carmine? No, no chance in hell. Right. But people are happy that Trump's got, had a loss. Although they forget that the criminal charges relate to this stuff. This is about his business. Were thrown out. What didn't that happen to Carmen? Uh, yes. Remember, like a month ago. And so, this is a civil portion of allegations against him, but this criminal parts were thrown out. So, I, you know, as I say, Trump can't get a fair shake in New York. So. That's all, that's why he's in Florida now. I think in Florida, he'd have a better chance of getting a fair shake. But there's a reason he moved, lifelong New Yorker. There's a reason he's a newly minted Floridian. Now the big headline today is that Elon Musk acquisition bid for Twitter was successful. They're now crossing the I's and donning the T's or however you say that properly.
2: No, actually, no. It's done. Done. Okay. It's the announcement. L- actually, been made.
0: it's done. Yeah, he said that, but it was it was still being mopped up. It was like Mariupol. It's done, but it's a mopping up operation. But it's done. So his
2: <coughs> Elon must have done anything as Twitter's CEO. Yeah. no he just I mean he just well it's not CEO it's not CEO it's not a publicly traded company and it won't be a publicly traded company anymore it's he owns it like you would own a sandwich shop he owns it
0: or a sandwich you can't
2: buy stock in it anymore it's over like
0: yeah which I think is great and also by the way uh, uh, another headline I'll just mention because it's another success for like Elon Musk is the people who had been aboard the first private uh, mission to the, what, what do you call it? The, 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 the orbiter. The first private mission that was done to the thing is floating in space permanently was completed successfully today. So that was big news. And that uh, Elon Musk's day is successful space mission, one, acquire Twitter, two. That's a good day. You know what I mean? When that's your to-do list, that's not a bad day. So what do you think about Elon Musk taking over Twitter?
2: Well, I'm glad you asked lee because you know i was gonna i'm glad he did it because i was gonna actually um spend the take the 44 billion out of my bank account to do it so if he didn't you know what i'm saying i, I was on that right right i, I think just, imagine having 44 billion dollars i'm just gonna buy that man I, I don't like the way you guys are treating free speech i'm just gonna buy that right um yeah i i, I think it's fantastic I would like somebody, not Elon Musk, somebody else, another billionaire, to do the same thing to Facebook. Uh, I don't want one guy to have all the power. I don't like people are saying, Elon, buy Facebook, Elon, buy YouTube. Well, you're not buying YouTube. Google's got more money than you. But, you know, Elon, buy Facebook. No, 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 no. Somebody else buy Facebook. You give one man that much power, that's not good. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's great I think that you know. I, I just said I just tweeted him and said, "Let me know when I can actually start saying what I want to say and not get banned." Because right now, the people that are that are moderators and this and that they're still there, they still have their jobs. They got to go. <laughs> then we can bring yeah. Trump back. We can everything. And by the way, people are Pressure. saying that Trump, Trump said he doesn't want to come back to Twitter. If Trump wants to win in twenty twenty four, he's going to have to be on Twitter. Truth Social ain't going to do it.
0: No. No. And why wouldn't he want you? That's whiny. That's the other reason. That would not be good. But I, Trump is about, I, I, I'm in of him coming back in principle. The press president should never have been banned from Twitter.
2: Period. He's the president. I mean, who or are next, you to president Facebook should face the same issues
0: but I'm I'm most excited about Project Veritas and Gateway Pundit for instance media outlets that's why I'm most excited about who's banned now them coming back because it's it's not about Jim Hoff's uh, opinions it's about what stories he's covering. And I think...
2: And I like him. Media- I Jim-
0: Yeah, I, I like Jim too. But again, it's not about one person's opinions. The Trump account is about his opinions. And I I don't care that much. Uh, he's amusing sometimes, but that's about it. But the like James... James O'Keefe's Project Veritas was doing investigative reporting. And that's what I want to see come back. What do you think, Carmen?
2: Absolutely. Why was that banned? He was doing the liberals' job. I mean, he was doing the liberal media's job, but they wouldn't do.
0: Well, that's why. Now, the Biden administration has said, basically, if Elon Musk takes over Twitter— They could be looking at other businesses like SpaceX and Tesla. And I think that needs to be investigated. One has nothing to do with the other. What they're saying is, if you take over Twitter, we will make your life hell using the IRS or other means we have. And that's, that's crazy that the government is attempting to control him but hopefully they won't and elon musk has said you know what he wants is free speech and he said if some people aren't unhappy with some people who have free speech
2: that's free speech doing his job correct So, oh, oh, wait, let me give you one I said today. So somebody wrote, because I'm, you know, I'm a fountain of wisdom sometimes. Um, So somebody wrote, yes, turn Twitter into 4chan. No moderation, anything goes. The most vile and depraved people can post the most disgusting things, all in the name of, quote, free speech. And I responded to that and I said, this is actually the definition of free speech. Yes, yes, even vile things can be said.
0: And also, Twitter is not Fortran. Twitter is a different medium, and I think vile things would tend to, generally speaking, unless they're socially acceptable, vile vile things, are not going to achieve much traction on Twitter. You know what I mean?
2: Stuff. I listen if somebody's talking about hurting somebody, if somebody's talking about hurting somebody, right. if somebody's posting child porn, if somebody's doing, uh, talking about, you know, genocide or trying to organize, uh, I don't know, some kind of like death thing like Charles Manson did, yeah, stop that.
0: Yes, and I expect he will. But because he's not said no restrictions. That's not the standard. That's a a, uh, a straw man. Whoever said that? No one is suggesting no standards. What we're suggesting is that the standards that are applied are capricious and they're arbitrary. Because you said it, Carmine. I want to know when I don't have to worry about whether what I say might be against the rules. Because I, I don't know what to say. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, do you know what you could say for sure that would get you not banned from Twitter, but that's no. a
2: controversial opinion? Right. No. no. If I say right if now, I, if I say— now, I don't believe that anybody who was born a man should contribute, uh, should be participating in women's sports. That may be bannable. It may not be bannable. I don't know. It depends on who's checking on what day.
0: Yes. And not that men who compete in women's sports should be killed or beat up or something. That's, that's clearly. Exactly. Nobody's saying that. Right. And, uh, so I I I'm keen to see because this is a private takeover. I'm keen to see how quickly this stuff happens. You know what I mean? Things could happen this afternoon. Some things. I expect what we'll do is. By the way, the National Weather Service has issued a flash flood advisory in downtown San Francisco for the. Amount of tears (laughs) that are going to be shed. Am am I right? Twitter employees are the most entitled whiny people ever. And I expect a lot of them will quit in
2: protest. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. I'm already seeing some people say, they don't want to be on the platform because Elon Musk owns it. And I'm saying, I think anybody who thinks that, anybody who quit Twitter because Elon Musk bought it, I don't particularly want. I don't want to restrict them, But if you want to go, don't let the drawer hit you in the butt on your way out. Do you know what I'm saying? Correct. Correct. Now, why do you think some people are so threatened by free speech, Carmine?
2: Well, let's look at it. This past week, the week that just passed us, both former President Obama and Hillary Clinton have called for regulations for social media companies to, quote unquote, get rid of disinformation. Okay. so who's going to decide what's real and fake? Because I remember when the Hunter Biden laptop story was fake, and I remember when Russia colluding with Trump to win the election was real, and both of those things are the opposite of true. So who's the arbiter? If you want to say we're going to police disinformation, who is the arbiter of that? A government agency? Uh, no, I don't trust that. Thank you. I'd rather trust I, – I, I, I don't know. I'd rather trust a board in San Francisco. Really? Really? Um, you can't, being the arbiters of speech is, is a heck of a ridiculous title to basically give yourself. And so to me, I, and I'm not just talking about Democrats here. I think every politician benefits if social media companies clamp down when the government tells them to. Okay. If I say, gee, I don't, you know, it seems odd to me that a guy who drew about 15 people to his rallies got 81 million votes. That seems weird to me. I have some questions about that. No, you can't have questions. Bam! What do you you mean I can't have questions? You had questions for four years about an election. From 2016 to 2020, all I saw on Twitter were people, quote unquote, contesting the legitimacy of a free and fair election right that's what we hear so much about saw it for four years the day after biden gets elected you can't question it that makes me suspicious right off the bat right off the bat that raises suspicion you can't question the vaccines makes me suspicious i'm a vaccinated individual got my booster gonna get another booster but When you tell me I can't talk about something, when you tell me I cannot ask questions, I'm immediately suspicious.
0: Yeah, as you should be. And I'm opposed to lies. And if we're going to do that, Hillary Clinton should be banned from Twitter. And I don't think that's what she's after. And Barack Obama. For instance, provably, I think, you know, and we'll talk about this label that I have as Russian villainy media. I'm waiting on that. It's a topic I want to talk about with Scotty. Uh, But I don't like them labeling. I'll tell you something else. You know Twitter moments, that section of Twitter that highlights stories Yes. I think that is lousy. And I hope whoever's running editorial for that is fired or questioned off because they bias. I'm not interested in Twitter telling me what moments are.
2: Tell me what's popular. Trending is also biased as hell, by the way.
0: Yes, I was going to bring that up. The trending topics. Should be what people are talking about, period. And not some waiting towards whether it's woke enough. And uh, th- those are two things I hope Elon-, Elon Musk fixed. But, you know, I'm interested in who he puts in place because he's going to put someone in place to be in charge of the company, right? He's hey. not gonna what's that? It should be me. Okay, I'll vote for you. But I am serious about it's gonna be interesting to see who he puts in charge of the company. And let's hope it's someone who instantly we go, Well that'll be good. A journalist, a respected journalist, or and by respected journalists I mean not from CNN don't hire Chris Wallace just because he's out of a job by the way we talked about it last week but that CNN plus thing that was pathetic and indicative of where (laughs) sorry no no Carmine feel free to laugh a little bit more (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's it's just it's such justice. It's such justice. Listen, who was the guy, Lee? Lee, I want to know who was the guy or girl that sat in CNN headquarters and said, "Gene, uh, Home and Garden Television is beating us in the ratings." You know what we need? We need a pl- platform for people to pay to not watch us. They're not watching us now. Let's charge them for it. Well, that's it. And then the other person that said, by golly, that sounds like a great idea. Wow. Who could have guessed that would have failed?
0: (laughs) They spent. Do you remember what they spent on that, Carmine? They wanted to spend
2: a million. I don't know what they spent.
0: But, But millions. And they got 10,000 subscribers. And I want to know, I don't want a, a a list release, but I just want to know who signed up for CNN Plus. Who are the 10,000 people dumb enough to do that? That's don't a you? Good
2: question. Yeah, it's a damn good question. I'll tell you what, though, Lee. I was half tempted to sign up at $2.99 a month, and I'll tell you why. I didn't do it because I didn't want to give them the business, but I'll tell you why. One thing CNN is good at, and I mean they're good at it, bro, is documentaries. Not everyone, not every documentary. A lot of their documentaries have bias, but if the documentary is not political, like say this is the 90s or look at the 80s, those documentaries, really good stuff
0: no yes cnn has production value they've been doing this a long time so they're able to produce stuff like documentaries with a common level of production value but what topics i'll put like this you know there's documentaries that are waiting to be made out there for instance documenting the cia's long history of working with ukraine i'd love to see that one and there's a lot of material on it because the CNN, the cia archives are full of stuff but do you think cnn is there any possibility of them doing that documentary or that on jfk on jeff on on the cia's long involvement in ukraine Do you think CNN is willing to do that documentary? No. And obviously it fits in the news cycle, but almost by definition, if CNN would cover it, it isn't worth covering. And I agree, those things that are like the decades of news, but this is only me, so many decades of news you can talk about. So I agree with you. They they are capable of producing good content, uh, but yeah. choose not not to.
2: Correct. And I don't know why the, I've, I've they, seen a lot of like I. I saw a lot about how they they did a whole uh, Jimmy Carter documentary. That will. Uh, that That basically tried to fix his presidency,
0: yeah and and obviously, they have a good role at X. They have access to whoever they want to. They've had every major politician on their network. So they're capable of getting to people uh, and getting them as interview subjects that some documentary filmmakers would dream of but again they choose not to now speaking of which i'll just briefly say this the war Carmine. from what you're seeing does the war look effectively over to you i mean like do you see any way that ukraine
2: is going to win this no Listen, and that's not because I'm rooting for Russia. Um, I listen, I, I, I've been on this show before. I'll say it before I said it before, I'll say it again. I don't think he's I I don't think Vladimir Putin's a good guy. I don't. Um I don't think he's an America lover. Okay. But I don't think Ukraine's a good guy either.
0: So and, and whoever is a good guy or the bad guy.
2: Ukraine is outmatched here. Ukraine is we're about just we're talking about just facts here this is this is Ivan Drago and Rocky IV at the peak of his powerfulness versus the baby for Meredith break. or purchase Meredith okay. yeah this is not this is not a fair fight it's not a fair fight it this is this is Come on. They didn't have a chance at any point. And all we're doing by sending weapons and sending money is prolonging the inevitable. So my question has been from the beginning and is right now. What, I- what are our politicians in America so invested in Ukraine for? Because there's wars going on all over the world. And we're not getting involved. Yemen. Come on. We're not getting involved. But in the well, we're talked about it. now for this. Why?
0: I hinted at that with my documentary suggestion. We have a 75-year relationship with Ukraine, well, The CIA's been working with Ukraine for 75 years. It's one of CIA's major projects around the world and has been for a long time. And if you go to the CIA FOIA archive and look up aerodynamic, A-E-R-O dynamic, One word, just type that in. You'll find the document showing the CIA's backing Ukrainian Nazis back in the 40s and 50s. So that's why. Does that make sense, Cameron? Yes. Yeah. But coming up, Scotty Nell Hughes, Russian affiliated media, so I hear. Scotty L. Hughes will be talking about Elon Musk with her and other topics coming up right after this on The Backstory. On 105.5 FM, a.m. 1390 in Washington, D.C., we're joined by special guest co-host, Carmine Xavier on Carmine Monday, and we're about to be joined by our guest for this half hour, Scotty Nell Hughes. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? I need mean,
3: I am doing better than Elon Musk buying a social media platform. So-
2: <laughs> Scotty, what's going on? Are you on? really?
3: How
0: how how are you possibly doing better than that? Go ahead.
3: Three days to come up to the swamp known as D.C. and it's primary season. I don't know if it's primary season where you are, Lee, but in Tennessee, if you don't have any less than 22 signs in your front yard that you have to mow around every Saturday, then you are not an active voter in your community and will be shamed forever.
0: Yeah, it's kind of primary season here. The governor's up, uh, and it's it. We're headed into primary season for Christy O'Me, to retain her governorship, and she's got a challenger. But I'm not seeing a lot of people care about it. It's not like no one of those places where win. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Scotty.
3: Well, that's it. Is because her challenger doesn't win. That's what I always love are these people that get into races that think they have a chance and they collect money. That's one thing, Lee, that I don't think we've spent enough time, both as Republicans or Democrats, talking about how much money you can make running for office, especially if you have no chance in Hades and actually winning. In, In recent times, we have been able to make those who run and lose. Even bigger names than if they would have won and gone to Congress and had to deal with meetings and policies and agendas. Instead, they can run and cry foul, fundraise, create these packs, fly around on private jets, write books, and become political celebrities who host their own shows on, like you know, major
2: conservative networks. But, but now, oh, now well, in mean, the governor's you know, race here about, in South Dakota, talk about Casey Abrams.
3: Talking about a whole two of them on both sides of the aisle. It's true. No,
0: no, and I've seen that. In South Dakota here, the guy who's challenging Christy Nome was the speaker of the House in the legislature here. So he's a serious politician as the Republicans say. So he's someone who in theory, you know, in theory has a shot. He's not a plumber who just decided to challenge Christine Elm. But we'll see how it plays out. But I know what you mean, because there is a lot, I've said this before, there's a lot of money in losing. And I look back at the 2012 race when Michelle Bachman ran and lost for president. And what do I you mean by loss, she came in last place she had drop out after Iowa. Remember that, Scotty?
3: Oh, yes. We were there together, Lee. Yes, I remember. Yeah, and
0: Michelle Bachman, uh, uh, and again, w- was not Joe Kennedy. She, she was a high-profile congresswoman and could have, but, but didn't attract much Support. When she lost, she mailed. Guess how much money she was making, Carmine, for coming in last in the primaries from renting her list. T- take a guess.
2: A million dollars a month.
0: No, yeah, but close. 15000 <laughs> Would you take that kind of money for yes. not doing anything? Yes. And if she had not run, her list would have been worth considerably less. But, Scotty, the big news today is Elon Musk buying Twitter. Now, did you get hit with one of these? I I got one. A Russian-affiliated media label. Well, let
3: me, let me do this segue here. No, I did not get hit. Um Honestly, Lee, and I think it was because I never had RT. I took my, the RT off my header six months ago, kind of seeing where the algorithms were going to be. I was kind of doing a tester. So I just had National Tennessee and Washington, D.C. wasn't that I wasn't proud of RT or any of the, the work that I was doing because I was retweeting everything. So it was obvious anyone who looked at my feed that I was. But I could tell that the algorithms, when I had RT in my name in those bylines, That they were slowing down. Um, I was getting even more shadow banned than normal. But real quickly, here's the deal, though. I want to put this forward to why it actually has a lot to do with Elon Musk today and the money being raised, because you have a lot of conservatives. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Did you see this on Twitter, how government accounts are defined? You don't you don't fit that.
3: I used to. There's no difference between Lee Stranahan, Manila Chan, Rachel, uh, Rachel Blevins, and myself. There's no difference. We all had the same job. But it's just how we put in our headers so that their algorithms could catch it.
2: That is wild. And, I I,
0: and, and Scotty, I want to let you finish what you're saying. But I, I'll point out I don't mind the label, but the algorithm ranks you differently when you have that label. In other words, if I do a tweet, Twitter won't recommend to people or will hide it from people because of that label. So I wrote to Elon Musk and I said, take a look at that. I'll tell you what Russian affiliated media is a sign of. If someone has Russian affiliated media on their Twitter handle, probably they got the Russiagate story right. And there's a good chance there's a Hunter Biden laptop story right. And so I'm not ashamed of it. In fact, I'm kind of proud of it because I think it indicates stories we get right. But I don't think the algorithm should bury my tweets. Scotty, what say you?
3: Well, let me say this. I'm still buried. I'm still very much shadow banned. There's no doubt when I look at some of the... The content, and I also have like my son has an account, has a, you know, people in my family have the account, and so I can tell when I'm shadow banned or not. But here's what's really, really interesting about it: in the U.S., to have that label on us, um, on those people, it, it can be taken as a negative way. Some people do take it as a negative way. Even though, here's the real fun part: the ones that are no longer affiliated with like RT America, they still have the label. You can't get it off. But
0: around, like George Galloway.
3: Right. Exactly. But around the world, having that label on your Twitter feed is actually showing you some credibility in many other countries. And that's what I find to be very interesting. Here at home, they're doing everything to demonize everything Russian. They're continuing that. But around the world, I know lots of people who reach out to me and, and ask, am I with RT? Am I with Sputnik? Because that's the only sources that they are trusting. So... That's the only one that they believe do have, actually, especially if they're American and they have that label on them. They realize that they're not giving them the narrative that is coming from both the Republicans and the Democrats. I mean, Lee, you have Mark Levine going on this weekend and totally pushing the neocon agenda that we need to be in a full-blown war with Russia. And I cannot believe – now, granted, Mark Levine was never – a Trump fan. In fact, he hated Trump. He thought Trump was was literally the devil incarnate during the 2016 primary. So for him to turn over and all of a sudden realize that, you know, do all these books about Trump and praise Trump and have Trump on, but that's 99% of conservative media today, regardless whether you're talking about Rush Limbaugh, God rest his soul, to Glenn Beck, who was the worst who hated him. Mark Levin was right up there. Hannity at the very beginning. Hannity eventually turned over. But Hannity pushing for an all-out war between the two countries. It's like they don't have a reality of what would happen if the U.S. and Russia actually went to
2: war with each other. Well, or maybe they do. (laughs) Or maybe they do. I was Listen, I was not a fan. And I've been open about this. I was not a fan of Trump during the primaries either. I'm an old-school conservative. You know what I mean? It took my mother, may she rest in peace, was a fan of Trump from the beginning. It took me a while to get to get warm to him. I'm not going to lie. He's very different. And you have to you kind of have to l- learn about him and to appreciate him. You got to watch him a little more and listen to him a little more. And it takes some time. And I understand that, um, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm still not a fan of everything he says and does. I'm not. There are times where I, I want to say to him if I could talk to him. Come on, man, don't say that. You didn't have to go there. Um, You know, with that said, I don't I don't begrudge anybody for not being on the Trump train from day one because I wasn't, Um, you know. But I think in some of these cases, I think some of these people maybe do understand what a war with Russia would actually be, and they welcome it. I I think there are some people who are literally kind of cheerleading the book of Revelation to happen right now. You know, I think they, they, because it's the only explanation I can come up with because you, Mark Levin's not a stupid man. You have to know what this war would be and he must know. There's no way he can't know
3: that goes back to but, uh, why is he saying it yeah. Let me also point this out to you and this is what gets me on this one um i, I agree with you I, I get people had to warm up trump i was one of the initial ones of his fan and over the years it's wearing i'll tell you why today i'm really skeptical not necessarily of trump but the people once again that are around him that are making themselves out to be trump but at this point trump has yeah. do anything to stop it so he gets held accountable You're not making a million dollars off his name. You are not pushing his agenda. You're not using his name to make money for your own new Mercedes and your own mansion. So therefore, I can't be angry at you. Uh, The ones I'm angry at are the ones that that literally went after people like myself and, and were vicious and vile and tried to destroy our lives over our support of this man. They questioned our patriotism, our conservatism, our love for the U.S.A., our love for the Constitution. Sound familiar? Uh, They questioned it, and now they're the ones that have Trump at the head of everything they do, every mailer they do, every tweet they have, and that's what makes me – and this is, Lee, and interesting that you and I are talking today because how you and I met was under Andrew Breitbart. And right now, I am having this discussion with a former colleague of yours at Breitbart who is literally trying to bully and intimidate uh, based off a decision that went against one of Trump's magical appointees that he's made across the country, his endorsements. And I, I literally said to him, I said, when did Breitbart become the hitman for the, for the Trump family, for the Trump campaign? You are not even listening to facts. I'm putting facts in front of you. And all. And, and his comment to me was, the, the party, the state went against Trump's endorsement. That makes them anti-Trump. One endorsement when the majority of them were all Trump delegates in 2016 and 2020, majority of them fought for against the coup that was going to happen at the floor on 2016 of the RNC. But because they're not going forward with the endorsement that Trump gave that, unfortunately, with many of Trump's endorsements right now, were very much never Trumpers actually fought against Trump, um, called Trump's all sorts of names even prior to two years ago. Uh, a lot oh. of these endorsements he's making, so we know what's behind them. That is the fight that the conservatives are having right now. You are, if you do not go 100% lockstep and key with Trump, more importantly, what Trump's people are telling you to do, you're anti-Trump. And that can be a bad label for anybody these days in conservatism.
2: Oh, yeah, but I mean, look at uh, look at the Dr. Oz endorsement. I mean, I think all of us raised our eyebrows on that.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Where's Let it you know the process.
0: Yeah, I still think that was a, a big one because the, the base was very, the Trump base was very vocal about not liking Dr. Oz before that announcement. I knew exactly what the Trump base thought about Dr. Oz. They didn't like him. Agreed, Carmine?
2: Oh, absolutely. You're talking about a guy who is pro-abortion, anti-Second Amendment. Um, this is not this is not a conservative. I mean, maybe some of his policies are conservative, but this is not one of our guys. And so when he endorsed them, it was almost like are you even listening to us, man?
0: Well, that's that's the point. I, I think the danger of that endorsement is it shows that Donald Trump is disconnected from his base. He he is not doing something. That they would approve of Scotty.
3: Well, and beyond that, this is where this is where it comes down to. It's about the Trump endorsement on the name, but it's not about that person. That's what the scary part is right now, because Dr. Oz is very much pro what I consider to be the groomer uh, LGBTQ transgender. Uh, information in elementary schools. He was definitely pro lockdowns. He was pro Fauci. Everything Fauci said was religion to him Um, and he was behind it. He never questioned it. So you go why is Trump endorsing? Is really Trump endorsing this. As we so often found out in the White House, Trump very sometimes did not realize what they were doing in the name or didn't have the full information. It's getting kind of old at this point. You've got him working against, you see him flipping like what he did in I think it's the Georgia Senate race He was behind one and now he's behind the other. Alabama too, I think the Alabama governor, the sitting Republican Alabama governor, he's going against the person that's primarying her. But she's the sitting governor and she's leading. And and here's the thing, is they're gonna get a lot they're gonna take many, many losses. Um, they're already getting them. They're endorsing people that should not even be allowed on the ballot. in the state parties, like what we did in Tennessee, took them off, not about the person themselves. We didn't even talk about what their resumes were. It just was against the state law to have them on there in the first place. So why are they getting behind these candidates? Well, there's two reasons. Either one, you have favors being called in, or two, it's money. And other than that, it's not because based on the resume. Because if it's based on the resume, then we're, they're not even reading the same resume that the rest of the American people have.
0: Now, I want to get both of you to comment on the Marjorie Taylor Greene situation. Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're making a big deal of this in Congress that she might not be allowed to run again. And what do you think of that? I, I, I'm outraged at, and any Republican who's going along, even with the process.
2: That would be a tragedy. This shouldn't even be happening. Come on, this shouldn't even be happening. Are you kidding me? Don't get me started. But the Democrats objected to every ele- every Republican president that's been elected in like the past 20 years. There's been at least one Democrat in Congress that's objected to the results. Now, all of a sudden, come on. I mean, it's just it's so stupid. But when you own the media and you own all the information, you can say whatever you want and you can make people believe whatever you want. No, this is outrageous.
3: What else did you expect? What did we have this week come out? Kevin McCarthy saying that he thinks Trump should resign January 6th. What we always knew behind the scenes was saying it wasn't the Democrats that were doing damage to Trump. It was his own party, the the people that was around him, that he was allowing to be around. him. Not only what was elected to him, he was forced to, but more importantly, the people that he was putting around him were the ones that were damaging And causing the most damage and one of the reasons why he lost. And yet those people are still being in power and Republicans are not holding them accountable. Think about it. Kevin McCarthy. We have this horrible tape come out, this horrible damaging thing come out uh, that he says about January 6th. He believes Trump should step down. Whether that's true or not, uh, you believe that or not. Kevin McCarthy denied it. They now prove yes, uh, you did say that. What did he do? He takes a trip down to the border. Let's go down just like like that card in the back of his pocket. He can pull out and go, look, 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 I'm a conservative over here. I'm going to solve the border crisis. Remember, we as conservatives, you need to unite against the Democrats because they're the ones keeping our border open. And you cannot at this point think that it's not both parties right now that use the border to their benefit. And in this case, Kevin McCarthy has done it in 48 hours, and we the people are letting him get away with it. And that's right there why I'm frustrated. Like I said, I got away from the swamp in Tennessee to D.C., uh, hoping maybe I might be able to at least up here. I know what I'm dealing with, but I'm very, very worried about Trump's endorsements moving forward. If he gets a whole bunch of losses behind him this primary season, then uh, yep. and, and, yep. and it's kind of Gestapo tactics that the Trump team's using with conservative media to go after those that are just doing their job legitimately. Those are the problems we're having right now, and it's growing. It's a monster.
2: McCarthy is a snake, too. You're, you said it 100% right. He's he's a snake. A lot of these guys are snakes. Looks like Mitch McConnell was— Mr. Trump, until Trump, quote unquote, lost the election. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, uh, put him in jail, this and that. These people, they are who they are. They are who they are. When they thought the tide was turning on January 6th, they all made Lindsey Graham, all of them made speeches against him. And they're, oh, wait, uh, the people didn't abandon him. Oh, no, I was just kidding about that. I still love Trump. They're snakes, they're liars. They don't even believe in the things they say they believe in. So I have no use for any of them. I'm 100% with you.
3: Once again, we're the bad guys. This is what is the most frustrating part is we're the bad ones. We're the ones that need to be demonized. We're the ones that need to have our networks being shut down because we don't go along with the puppeting rules. We're the ones that are being you know, completely ostracized not only in media circles but also political circles they don't want them to talk to us because they know nobody's pulling our puppet strings nobody is telling us that we have to say one thing we have to say another no nope, we're just telling the truth and i think this is why to bring it back in to the whole elon musk situation why it is so important except you have so many conservatives that have profited off of Twitter and their censorship. They've gone off and started all these platforms, including the Trump team. Now they've come out endorsing this purchase. But they made their their platforms based on what was going on wrong at twitter so now that elon musk is coming in and i tell you i'm i still has i'm not 100 on the elon musk boat i am in this situation but he hasn't necessarily been right in the ukraine russia conflict either so i'm very hesitant in it i don't think our freedoms are going to necessarily be restored their shadow banning is going to go off the russian affiliated media accounts but in this case this is why I'm very interested to see how these conservatives who have made their profits these past two years, a year for sure, and what their new, their business structure has been based off how they're going to do with Twitter actually becoming free. Will they, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't the ones slipping the checks to the Democrats, to those that are uh, crying from Twitter now that are renouncing. Heck, but, yeah. hey, Heck yes. A big deal. You know, since you
0: brought yeah. Elon Musk and and Ukraine I think it's a good test case this is something where he's clearly pro-Ukraine he's fallen for a lot of lies but this is a good test case for him to hold his feet to the fire and say do you support free speech even for Russia do you support for the Russian government and even for Russian affiliated
2: media I believe he answered that question already though I think he said yes
0: Well, no and and it's everything that's come before was before he he actually was in the power now that he's actually owns it we'll see what he, he does I'm saying it's a good test case and it's going to come up quickly so I hope he makes the right decision and I believe he will because I think this move for Elon Musk he's somebody who believes passionately he talks about this very often in speeches he wants the future to be great and a lot of things he does he does because it would be cool like the boring company he thinks life would be better without traffic well who can argue with that and uh he wants to get you know, his space travel private to enable regular people to do space travel eventually. And he just wants a cool future and he believes in technology can make it better. And this is why I think ultimately he's coming down. He's seeing that the promise of the internet, which was provided all these free speech platforms had been destroyed, and so we'll see what he does. You know, now now's the time. Now's when the rubber hits the road. Now is the time to determine what he wanted to do this for, and I think Russia's a good test case. Scotty, what do you say?
3: I absolutely think it's a great idea, a great test case. And we we talked about Trump. I think everybody right now is waiting to see if how quickly and if Elon Musk is able to restore the president's uh, Twitter account. And the two thoughts, I'd say even I'm, I'm very curious, first tweet that Trump does, number one. And number two, if you think they're in a meltdown already in the last few days, especially the last two hours, Wait till you see when Trump's account is restored. That right there in D.C. I might actually need to get an arc because the, the the flow of tears will start at Capitol Hill and go all the way to the White House, and I'm right in the flood floodplain in between.
0: And you know the outrageous thing is that Trump's first tweet is most likely to be, I I I'd flip a coin. I'd say it's fifty fifty. I would not be surprised, would you? If his first tweet was tweeting out his support for Ukraine,
2: would you be I surprised by that? Wouldn't be shocked.
3: I, right. I, I don't think he will. That I don't. I honestly think it'll be something America first, something domestic. Like I'm back or look who's back or something. One of his stupid little parodies. Because I, I will say this. The one thing, and granted, we're on two months now. Of this. It's longer than what I thought it would be, but I honestly do also have a, re- a realistic approach to what is going on in the strategy in that region. Um, I think Trump understands that a lot of his people, a lot of conservatives right now, outside of the Hannity's and the, the Mark Levin's, are realizing that why would you go and support the same country that for the last eight years we have literally every day talked about a beehive of corruption for the Biden family, for the Democratic Party, and for Barack Obama, George Soros, and all of their little frat house. So I think we get a lot of blowbacks. A lot of conservatives right now are going, we are getting, we are not being told the truth here. And, and the last thing we need is a nuclear war with Russia.
2: Well, here's, here's the one thing, though, uh, Scotty, where I think Trump's getting bad advice. And I pray that I'm wrong. I heard that he said well, he's not likely to come back to Twitter if, if Musk takes over. And to me, if you're going to run for president again, which I think we all know he is, you do it without Twitter, you might as well just not even bother.
3: Uh, that would be an interesting thing that he well, – like I said, he started those social media platform. That right there would show uh, exactly how the people around him would advise him to. I think that would be very dumb. The American people want him. Yeah. The conservatives want him on Twitter. I'm fine with all of those who threaten. Plus, you, get can't,
2: you <laughs> can't just preach to the choir, Scotty. You got to preach to the other people too. Well, that's
3: what Twitter be good for. That's the thing he can't. And so if he stays off of it and he doesn't get to reach it, that's the problem with us conservatives as well as the Democrats. We stay in our own little echo chambers. Yep. So no, he needs to get on Twitter just for the fact that even though the New York Times says that every one of their reporters is getting off it, they won't, and we will go back and the, I mean, let, let me just remind you. Wait, wait, wait. The New York Times said what? Huh? The New York Times said that all their well, the New- all of them right now are saying, I'm getting off Twitter, I'm getting off Twitter, I'm getting off Twitter. If Elon <laughs> Musk, has it, they're not. They'll have those shadow accounts. And just like for those four years when Twitter was president, they were addicted to every tweet he sent. And they will be just as addicted, if not more, because that is the ammunition that keeps their daily lives going.
0: But I will say, and this may be a harsh, someone say insult, if I say the Trump social media platform truth is the CNN plus on social media platforms. Yeah. I know it's harsh, but it's kind of true. Scotty, Scotty and L. Hughes, great appearance. Tell people where they can find your stuff.
3: At this point, Twitter, at Scotty and Hughes. That's all you get from me at this point. But, but uh, I appreciate it. I have the conversations all the time. So, And obviously here on Sputnik, as I am honored to appear on here any requests that I get. Right.
0: Great appearance, Scotty and L. Hughes when we come back we'll be taking your calls 202 1320 from the Empire of Lies and just outside the Matrix. It's time for the second hour of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm investigative journalist Lee Stranahan and Carmen Saviour here on a Carmen Monday. This is the backstory. We always enjoy talking to the great Sally Nell Hughes, a conservative prior brand. Coming up, coming up this hour, We've got a pre-tape interview with someone who's in Mariupol, and you're going to want to hear this. Sonia Vander, and you're going to want to hear this interview. It's someone who's been in Mariupol. You've seen the footage of Mariupol, right? And what what she is saying is the city is destroyed. But she's saying a lot of the destruction is coming from the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians have been shelling that city. It's, it's not just Russian bombing. It's Ukrainians shelling. And she says there's snipers on the streets shooting at civilians. And everyone she's talked to by civilians. So it's a fantastic interview coming up this hour. What's the name of the show, Carmine? The Backstory. Well done. Well done. So, like, yeah. Hey, where's the thing? It, 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 it thudded. You didn't hear it? I thought it was delayed, though. It was delayed. It
2: was a delayed thud.
0: No, it, it, it came in. It sounded right to me. But what do you make of the war at this point from what you're hearing?
2: Well it depends on what you're what's the what's the actual question you're
0: asking me. Well just what are your thoughts in general? What's standing out at you? I, I asked a question about do you think Ukraine could win? Because the United States came out and said Ukraine can win and we're gonna send them weapons. Have you heard the rate Ukraine is going through weapons that so we send them?
2: No, I have not.
0: Like we send them missiles. And they're going through what they should be going through in about a week, in a day. They're blowing through Well, now, what is the reason munitions. behind that? Do they not know how to use them? Well, partially because the weapons are being used on their own civilians. They're double duty against Russia and civilians, I think. But the point is... They're blowing through weapons, so that's why the U.S. is going to send them more. But from everything you've heard, Carmine, would more weapons have made the difference in the war?
2: No, if they'd had not. 20... They're, they're...
0: Right, because you need people to fire
2: them. I would say you don't have the man. They don't have the manpower. And so Here's this is the other problem, The other problem too is that. You know, no matter what they tell you, and you know this, you know this, I don't have to tell you this, but not everybody in the Ukraine is against Russia. In fact, a lot of people in Ukraine are pro Russia. So it's kind of hard to fight a war when a good portion of your population is rooting against you.
0: Right. Because as you'll hear in this interview, everyone will hear in this interview, the Ukrainians are attacking the civilians, the people in Mariupol are afraid that they were being held as hostages by the ukrainian military and think about this i'm repeating something but they've got ukrainian snipers out shooting at civilians on the streets of Mariupol. ponder that and and they have women who they're forcing yes i know that because Multiple reporters saying it. And do you know Patrick Lancaster? Is I do not. He's a citizen journalist who's in Mariupol, and he's been covering the conflict. And what he'll do on a video is he just is rolling a camera, and he'll walk up to a civilian, and you can see when he first talks to the civilian, he's like hi, you know, and they say hi. Hey. And he says, I want to ask you, he's not asking biased questions. He's like, so what's going on here? You know what I mean? That's the kind of question you want to hear from a reporter. One that doesn't bias it. And multiple civilians, everyone, the people apparently he's just meeting randomly, are all saying the same thing. And you can hear the snipers. And... They'll point to where they are. They'll say, there's a sniper over there, and you're shooting at me. And so it's the kind of reporting that I trust. It's not him. When you cut to an interview and we say, here's a guy I met, boom, and it cuts the interview, and you don't see him talking at first, you don't know who this guy is. You know what I'm saying, Carmine? When they cut into the interview and somebody says something, you don't know who they are. But when you see him go to people randomly on the street and they all say the same thing, and I ask Sonia about Patrick Lancaster's reporting. So, but but also, here's the other way we know this, Carmine. Ukraine said it. Ukraine has talked about how they are going to – people who are traitors to their cause. We know because they've admitted it. They say we'll attack them. You see what I'm saying?
2: My question is how long has Vladimir Putin been in power?
0: Uh, Since 2000 roughly. close to 20 years.
2: So 22 years, right? Around 22 years. Nobody's adequately explained to me how one morning he woke up and said, I want to kill everybody in Ukraine. Nobody's explained that to me with no reason, because CNN will tell you day long, day in and day out, Putin's war, Putin's war for no reason, instigated war. Explain that to me. This man was not a crazy man until what, 10 minutes ago? You're not even going to give his side? You're not even going to tell his reasons for what he's doing? And then the rest of the country is going along with it like, oh yeah, that sounds reasonable.
0: Well, they've been saying since 2014 that Russia invaded Ukraine. And they talk about Crimea. Now, have you ever looked into Crimea?
2: I know Crimea very much wanted to be Russian.
0: Yes, that's the point. And they called it for eight years now, they've called that an invasion. So they were starting a narrative that if Russia.
2: Mistaken, there wasn't even a did, shot. If I'm not mistaken, there wasn't even a shot fired, was there?
0: No, wasn't. No one killed. Not shot fired. And as you say, there was an election. There was a referendum, and they voted overwhelmingly in favor of it. And if you ever looked at videos. Of the night of the referendum. People are celebrating in the streets.
2: Yes, yes.
0: And there's been no mass protests. Save us from Putin. In Crimea. There has been no push
2: to go back with Ukraine. No sad? Correct. No, nobody's trying. Nobody from Crimea has taken up arms against Russia. Nobody's complained about it since it happened. But why do and I, I think you know? Well, they just constantly times, lie about it. How many times does the American media have to be caught in lies, though, for people mm-hmm. to say, "Gee, maybe yeah. I won't believe them until I actually know all the facts"?
0: Especially with wars, they constantly lie about wars, and I think it's well known. But people still fall for it because it is a massive propaganda operation and you see outrageous stuff they say all the time but i'm hoping i i think things are getting better and i really do think this elon musk buyout of twitter is a significant point i think he's right twitter has the power to be a very powerful platform internationally for free speech and we'll see what happens. This li- literally could be changing. And I i know this sounds like hype, but this l- actually could be changing the course of history here. Am I no, you're crazy right. hype? I, I really think so. Because uh, Twitter, people think about it as a – you know what Twitter is referred to as – Have you referred to as a micro-blogging platform? Yes. And it is. And what the micro-blogging part means is that it it still is, and it used to be, if you wanted to blog about something, you have to set up a site, maybe WordPress, and then you have to type in a whole thing. And the fact is, because you blog someone, You know, Carmine, that most things in an article are not news. Most things in an article are rehashing the story so far. So if people were on a desert island. Correct. I mean, how many people actually need to know, do you need to tell, we didn't talk about Trump by saying Donald Trump who was banned from Twitter, right? We didn't say that in this conversation because everyone knows it.
2: Uh, uh-oh, uh-oh. But, uh-oh.
0: but if, you, if you wrote an article about that, you would have to say, Donald Trump, comma, who was banned from Twitter two years ago for unspecified reasons or whatever. So most of uh, an article is fluff it's rehashing and what twitter allows you to do is cut to the chase does that make sense carwin you're you're a writer you know what i'm talking about
2: it does and i have some breaking news for you hours okay what's the breaking hours after elon musk has purchased twitter biden administration says they will take steps to combat misinformation on social media
0: Yes, and I think Biden will take steps to do that, and Europe's doing that already, but we have a First Amendment, and we still do, and now that we have someone who's backing the First Amendment, good luck, Biden. I, it's a very unpopular Musk president. Musk
2: take him to court. Musk will take him to court.
0: Yes, and, and win, and he's a president— who the people know lied about the Hunter Biden story. There's no question about it. Joe Biden lied at the debates about the Hunter Biden story. Correct? Am I right, Carmine? And people people know that. He's known to talk about misinformation. He's a liar. Period. I want to go to calls two oh two five two one. 1320. Tarif, what's on your mind?
1: How are you doing, gentlemen? Thanks for taking my call. 1st like to say free joining signs. And also, Stephen Dungenzer. today was his last day on house parole. That's, that's pretty good. You know, he's very um, um, happy, and hopefully he can get his license back, and I can use him as my attorney. <laughs> but I have three comments. First comment, it seems like Russia is, is um, gotten up majority of the land that's very fertile. For growing, for agriculture, which uh, uh, they're grabbing up one third of um, the um, Ukrainian land, you know. And um, my, my second comment, I have another one after this. I have a total of three. My second comment: the most of all that went down last week is rumors speculating that if uh, Russia find out if anything was done to that uh, battleship. Like, if a submarine was used with a drone to plant plastic explosives underneath it to destroy it, then Russia might hit back at NATO and the U.S. atomically, you know, like, using proxies against the U.S. or NATO in the coming year, upcoming months or years. But last comment, they had an article that came out of um, this Turkish journalist. I forgot his name, but Vanessa Billy, we tweeted his, um, his, um, his, um Article saying that it's rumored that they had fifty French high-ranking officers that was when in, that was in the Avrystal, Mirapole, trapped underneath those um, columns, and they had told Zelensky to tell the the, the troops there. Not to surrender because they would have surrender before the election. That would affect Macron election last Sunday, this past Sunday. So once these troops, if they surrender and they have fifty, a um, uh, high-ranking French officers among them, plus intelligence officers in UK and and um, and American uh, military trainers, then you know the Russians are going to show the world, especially its upcoming. June, when they have the um trials and the bad what was done to the um the people that lived in Ukraine, East Ukraine. Um, I appreciate y'all for taking my call. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, all. Thanks,
0: thanks, thanks, Sharif. Now, yeah, Carmine, I, I, my view is that the truth is a long game, lies work short term better than they work long term. It's hard to
2: Twitter source code has been locked to stop any disgruntled employees from making unauthorized changes. Very smart. So go ahead. I'm sorry. If I get breaking news, I like to break it. So
0: no, no, no. I appreciate that. And 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 all this news. Again, it's going to see how quickly things move. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more breaking news the next half hour. But we've got yeah. an interview pre taped, so you won't hear it. But I expect things to happen very quickly over Twitter. And I really do expect a lot of employees to exit.
2: And I say, good riddance. Oh, yeah, please go. Go.
0: And take the New York Times. Do you think that New York Times employees, uh, there's no justification for that. If they think, it's going to be misinformation over there, Then they sh- and they think they've got correct information. They should want to stick around to correct it, but they, they're they not really concerned about misinformation. They're really concerned about information that contradicts the narrative that the New York Times pushes. Do you think so, Carmine?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all it's about. It's about controlling, locking down the media and the narrative, bro. That's all this is about. You know what's the number one trend on Twitter right now? RIP Twitter. No, it's not RIP Twitter. It's RIP your echo chamber.
0: Yeah, uh, this is the the people who are the most brainwashed are people who are like, this is the end of Twitter. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? This is crazy. These are people who hate free speech. I'm seeing a surprising number of people who apparently have been conditioned to hate free speech. And it's shocking. That's what I'm getting at. And they think, where was the freedom of speech? And and they don't say anything about the Biden laptop story. The Biden laptop story was censored, period. And it turned out to be true. Everyone's acknowledged the Times and the Post and CNN, even CNN Plus, admitted the Biden laptop story was true. These people who are saying "RIP Twitter," where were they during the Biden
2: laptop story, Carmine? Yeah, exactly. They were they were nowhere to be found, my brother. Nowhere to be found.
0: And uh, even Jack Dorsey, the former CEO of Twitter has admitted Twitter didn't handle that right. Censoring news prior to an election is election interference. You know, this is something that I think is very typical for liberals. Liberals don't want equality of opportunity. They want equality of outcome. They want the outcome to be the same. Correct. Have you noticed that, Carmine?
2: Correct. Correct. And we it applies guaranteed- here. We are not a guaranteed equality of outcome in the Constitution. We are guaranteed equality of opportunity.
0: And they hate opportunity. They hate the fact that anyone will have the opportunity to state their point. And if, if – I'll put it like this. If I quit Twitter because of misinformation, I'd, I w- would have quit long ago. How much of your misinformation – Let me ask you, Carmine, what's the way you deal with hearing things that you know aren't true on Twitter?
2: I tweet something to correct it.
0: Right. Now, would you leave in a huff because you saw misinformation?
2: I'm still here.
0: Right. And is there some principle behind that, Carmine? What's your thinking?
2: Yeah, if you run away, you can't tell people the truth.
0: You hear that, New York Times reporters? And if you're not there, you won't have anyone. They they don't want to be in an environment where their lies can be fact-checked by people and ask them. One of the great things about Twitter is – let me ask this, Carmine. As a writer, and tell people where they can find your writing.
2: Oh always find me at conservativebrief.com.
0: Okay. Now, as a writer, do you feel, I'm going to use this term broadly, like do you have an obligation to, to talk to your readers, to talk to people? If people have a
2: question about a story you wrote, do you encourage that? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Now, Why? because i want to engage with you i want to talk about it if i got something wrong and you have evidence that i got it wrong i want to see that so i can correct it
0: exactly right and i've noticed on twitter and i try to engage with people uh because i want to correct stuff if i'm wrong and i do and it's it's one of the best, best uses of twitter as far as i'm concerned Is a chance to ask questions of journalists, and they should respond. Have you noticed that people who lie aren't very communicative? No, they
2: don't want to talk.
0: And one of the things he wants to get rid of is bots. Elon Musk has said he's going to get rid of bots. And why would anyone oppose that, Carmine?
2: You oppose it because you pay for bots to help trend the topics you want it to trend. And Media's Touch is famous for this. The Krasenstein brothers, who are behind that, who got banned from Twitter just to create another account, are famous for that. Oh, tweet this a thousand times, and then we'll do this or that. And then they have their bots tweeted. The liberals use bots more than anybody.
0: Right. So, So we'll see. We'll see how quickly Elon implements some of this stuff. I think an edit button... The only thing that's going to hold that back is technically, but I believe that that's going to be easy. We'll see an edit button very quickly, I think, and hopefully some of these deleted accounts start to restore. Well, Carmine, let me say goodbye to you for now because we're going to a pre-tape interview with a journalist who's been in Mariupol. Wait,
2: can I just and say one thing real quick before I go? Real, real quick. So Rob Reiner said, now that Elon Musk is buying Twitter, the question for all of us is, will he allow a criminal who used this platform to lie and spread disinformation to try and overthrow the U.S. government, return and continue his criminal activity? And if he does, how do we combat it? And my answer to that was, yes, Rob, Hillary Clinton will still be allowed on Twitter.
0: There you go. Well done. You played Twitter game (laughs) well. Carmine (laughs) Savia. our guest co-host today on Carmine Monday. Let's come back with the interview after this short break on the backstory. Now, to be joined by reporter Sonia Van Dem Emler, which I'm sure I'm mangling your pronunciation slightly, but Sonia, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks,
4: thanks we're, for inviting me.
0: We're very uh, pleased to be joined by you because you had on the ground experience in Mariupol, right?
4: Correct, yeah, correct. I was there, yes, I was there last week, so. And I saw a lot, <laughs> yes. Now, before we talk about that, let's set up for
0: people. If they had been in Mariupol before the war, how? what's the population of the city? How big a city is it? etc. Describe Mariupol.
4: It was approximately a city uh, with uh, 450,000 uh, people. And now during the conflict... It's, I think there are some one hundred thousand people left, so around three hundred fifty there three hundred thousand people left the city.
0: Now, I assume you know what the Western media is like on Mariupol, but what I knew Mari- Mariupol as as the beginning of the conflict, I knew it was one of the strongholds of the Azov battalion, and is that correct before the war? It was one of their strongholds, correct?
4: Yes, that's correct. It was uh, known because the name already says it, Azov, and uh, uh, Mariupol is uh, on the Azov Sea. So, yeah, it's, it is a stronghold. I think it's where they originated. And then I know once the
0: conflict started, the Western media began making out Mariupol like it's a victim of... R- the Russia of Russia invasion. You noticed that too. They tried to victimize Mariupol as though it's a uh, a victim of Russia, when in fact, what I understand is it's been a victim of the Ukrainian forces. Correct.
4: Yes, that's correct. And uh, this is what they do in the Western press and Europe and uh, the United States and the, West, the rest of the Western world. They uh, pretend that uh, uh, the Russians are, uh, when they come in, when they're trying to conquer the city, that they kill all the people, and uh, that the people of this city are pro-Azov or pro-Ukrainian forces. And this is not the case. What I heard on the ground. I spoke with many people and majority of the people were very happy that the Russians came in. So they have security and they were liberated from their basements and they were held hostage there. So this is totally propaganda from Western states. And actually, I think it's very awful what they do because, you know, they are criminalizing Russia in this case and they are not objective at all, but that's already for years. Now, I've been keeping
0: track of this by following videos of Patrick Lancaster. Have you seen his videos
4: at all? Yes, I'm following him as well. Yes, he does a great job, I must say, really great. Like There's another guy, Graham Phillips. He's from Britain. He's also great, but Patrick is really great.
0: Yes, and and what I like about his videos is he walks up to people and starts interviewing them, and it's obvious it's not a preset interview. There's no editing. You see him talk to the people. And so a lot of what I've seen in those videos, has anything you've seen giving you an inaccurate impression
4: from Patrick Lancaster's videos? No, 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 it's it's accurate because the same happened to us. We were a group of journalists and, yeah, well, we're not censored at all. We are in the city, we come out of the bus and, yeah, you can speak to the people. Some, a lot of people speak Russian, I don't, but there's somebody can translate for you. Some people, you find younger people who speak a little English, so that's not the problem. But the, I cannot see its stage or something. It's, no, the people speak freely. And that's in the case of Patrick Lancaster, his videos as well. I can see that. And so I wanna
0: be I'll be blunt about this. The people of Mariupol seem happy that the Russians are there. Yes, they are very happy. And that's the opposite impression the Western media is leaving people. But are the citizens of Mariupol by you know by and large, you know maybe not a hundred percent, but that you've talked to happy the russians are there
4: yes they are very happy because what i said uh the, the people were actually uh, held hostage a lot of them or they were just hiding in the basements because of all the rocket the rocket attacks the shelling from the ukrainian army or Azov. so they feel secure now and uh, they never had, I think a lot of people didn't have any problem with the Russians at all because it's not only Russian people who are happy, it's also Ukrainian, you can say, people who are happy because they know they the other side destroyed their city. So they are happy, they feel secure and yeah, they all hope that it's the conflict is ended now, but okay, it's going on of course, but they are very happy, that's my, my opinion, relieved you can say.
0: Now, we'll talk about that, the fact that it's going on. We'll talk about the catacombs in a second. But I want to amplify this point. The people I've seen interviewed by Patrick in his videos, and anyone can see this if they doubt it, he walks up to them, and they're happy, and they're very upset at the Ukrainians. They've said that they were essentially held hostage by the Ukrainian government and the military. Is that your experience? people are saying that they've been held hostage by the ukrainian military
4: yes that's what they all saying and i even heard stories that uh, people held hostage in the basements usually and that the military ordered them especially women to go outside and to find for the military some food and some some water so they sent these women outside and when they got outside they got shot or injured and so this is this is the story all the time, and they are very uh, upset with, uh, they're very yeah angry about, especially the Azov. They not because they could recognize them. They said with on their tattoos, they had these tattoos on their arms, and you know they had the swastikas and so on. So they are very, my opinion and what I have experienced there, they are happy, very happy. Yeah.
0: Now, now we've seen footage also on many news sources including RT which has had some amazing footage the city looks like it's destroyed essentially is that it is it destroyed is it as bad as it looks
4: yes that's that's true that's uh, unfortunately how it is Uh, we went through the city center uh, and the other streets surrounding the city center and I can say well most likely 80% of the city is destroyed also That day we would go to the port, but that was too dangerous still because it was one week ago. But that's supposed to be also totally destroyed. Yeah, it was really, I was in Syria before and I saw homes, and you can compare it to homes. I would say. Yeah, so you you covered the Syrian
0: conflict as well.
4: Yes, exactly. Yeah, I was there.
0: This has been reminding me, I, I didn't go to Syria, but I went to Lebanon in 2013 to cover the Syrian war. And I met a lot of refugees in Beirut, and I interviewed a lot of people who've been in Aleppo. Forgive me, who've been in Aleppo, but mainly uh, the Christians, the Christian mm-hmm. city that's near the mm-hmm. capital. Yes,
4: Satnaya. Malula, Satnaya. Malula, yeah. Yeah. Mm There's a
0: lot of foreign names for me to remember. (laughs) But uh, when I went over to Beirut, it reminds me of a similar situation in that I found very quickly the scene there, the story the locals were telling me was completely the opposite of what, the western media was reporting at the time
4: yes that's ex- yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And i'm sure you know what i'm talking about
4: mm-hmm. yes i do yeah and I, I, same experience for me i was in uh, syria in 2015 and before that you always had to go in through uh, beirut so i always stayed one week or so in beirut and yeah same situation a lot of refugees i went to this special a neighborhood. It's close to the airport, and that's already a very bad neighborhood, and that's where they all lived, refugee camps there. But I was in Syria and the first time in two thousand fifteen not the first time, but during the war, and it was actually uh, the army, the Syrian army was losing ground there, and the jihadists were in front of Damascus, saying close to the entrance of Damascus. And it was really bad because when I was in uh, my hotel room there, I could see people on the street who went out for shopping or to a doctor. And the jihadists were just in the other part of the city and they had all these rockets. And also somehow there were snipers and they shot the people who were running on the street. So that was really, really horrible. no,
0: you talk about snipers. And I, and I would say in this conflict, in a weird way, the jihadists are the equivalent of the Azov Nazis in that I remember at the Western press coverage at the time when I was in Beirut, if you talked about jihadists, they denied that there were any jihadists there. You remember that? The Western press was denying their freedom fighters.
4: Yes, I remember that. And until this day, and especially the country I am from is the Netherlands, they uh, supported, I found that out, supported 22 groups, and they were all jihadist groups. Because at the end, they all were merged with uh, ISIS or Daesh. And I see the same happening now in uh, here in Ukraine again. It's, it's, you know, the West is using the, this jihadists and now the Azov or the other uh, battalions as a proxy in the war. There are their mercenaries, and also I could see a lot of similarities that. In uh, the Syrian war, these uh, jihadists used a lot of drugs. Same here, as what I heard. You know, the sirens are everywhere in the empty houses. And the West is still denying that they are jihadists. They're still saying they are rebels. And that's really awful. That's what they will do also, because there are already pieces written in some yeah, news, if you can call it news, saying that, well, the Azov is not really right extremist or neo-Nazi. So this is already busy in doing that.
0: And it's bizarre. And, and what I found when I was in Beirut, I went up to people and I just asked them. I asked the people in Malula what happened, and they were very clear on it. They were 100 percent clear. They were just telling their stories about how the jihadists came into Malula and started killing people. They were – and the West was denying the story, and I'm sure you had the same effect in, in Mariupol, when you approach people, they want to tell the story. Have you found that?
4: Yes, the same thing. They want to tell the story of what what happened to them. Uh, some uh, woman or man, they were held in the basements. what I said, some were injured. And they want to tell that, you know, how, how they uh, shot their people, how people died in the basement. And, well, they lost their relatives now. They were searching for relatives, Same same stories. But it's you know as if you tell it to the west, the Western world, the the propaganda is so bad, and it's very difficult to you know to get out the truth. But okay, this is what I'm trying to do in the West with my writing and some small videos, but mainly writing. I'm a writer, so it's really bad. The same story, yeah. And and it's it's very
0: bizarre because. Like I say, if I say it's not that difficult to find the truth, I meant what I mean is you didn't have to walk around and talk to a hundred civilians, and then you found someone who's pro-Russian, right? Yeah you, yeah, you just talk to people, and they're telling you the Russians are the good guys.
4: Yeah, exactly. And it, I know it's not staged because you can you, when you speak to somebody, you yeah, you can sort of see yeah, if is is it stage? Is it not stage? but no, it's not stage. They all say the same thing that they and you see how they when the uh, trucks come with the food, the convoys, then they're really happy. And uh, I can see a lot of people thanking them, and uh, well, you know finally we have food and so happy that you are there. I don't speak Russian, but I can imagine what they are saying. And it's yeah, it's the the people are happy. it's and I don't think it has to be or Russians or Ukrainians or, Whatever, but they are happy. They are they are helped now. They are secure. That's their that's their main issue.
0: Now, are you seeing any Western journalists there?
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> when I go with them, I'm the only one. Yeah, there are few, who, but they live here. Like a German one. There's one of an American who lives here as well. Just, it's not really a journalist, maybe more a photographer. And but really who come from the Europe, you know, like I did, I came here by in, what was it in the third of March? Nobody actually, it's all journalists from like, say, Iran, Press TV, uh, India, uh, Brazil. uh, One man was from Greece. So, okay. Serbia, but okay. That's a friendly country, we can say, but really from Western Europe, like my country, Belgium, Germany, nobody. Now, We've heard that
0: things in Mariupol are in the ma'pan phase and there's these catacombs at the mine. We've heard there's a couple hundred thousand- There's a couple thousand people. Forgive me. There's a couple thousand people who are holdouts, who are not surrendering or are not being allowed to surrender. Is the the number still a couple
4: thousand? I think what I heard it's approximately. Around 2,000, maybe a bit less even. But this is what is left. And, uh, yeah, the strategy now is to, like maybe what they did in the Middle Ages, to smoke them out, not to give them food or water. So they hope they will come out eventually. But, yeah, they are the Azov. Uh, So they are hardcore, yeah, uh, neo-Nazis, I would say. And I, I, I hope for the, yeah, I hope they will come out. But, yes, we don't know. How are they being kept in that area? Well, they are still in the factory, you know, the Azov Steel Factory. And where, where they are, I think they are, what I heard, uh, on the first level, and bet- uh, underneath that you have five levels, and you have a tunnel which is approximately 24, 25 kilometers long. So I suppose, I, I, I'm not sure, but I suppose they are down down below somewhere, oh. and this is where they... They yeah, are holding out for to to wait at the end, but they're not up in the factory because the Russians are around the factory, so they are not there
0: and that they're safely away from civilians, correct?
4: Yes, yes, because I heard the last civilians came out of their basement with so the neighborhood is what surrounding the factory they came out uh, was yesterday or the day before so uh, the civilians... Maybe there are civilians down, but yeah, nobody knows, I think. So they also suggest that there was a NATO commanding center, which we also don't know, or a biolab, but we think we have to wait and see when they give up or when they come out, because now nobody knows, I think. Maybe the Russian intelligence knows, of course, but we don't know. Now, so Russia declared
0: the other day that Mariupol had been liberated, does it look to you like Russia, aside from this area of the catacombs, is firmly in control of Mariupol?
4: Yes, because uh, the last stronghold was the harbor, and I also captured it, it uh, two or three days ago. And this is actually the last thing is the Azov Steel Factory, and the rest is liberated. Yes, that's, that's correct. Yeah.
0: Now, what have you? You mentioned the biolabs. Have you heard anything? About the biolabs, it's it's rumour at this point, but who are you hearing that from? Uh,
4: uh, We heard uh, something from the Ministry of Defence here in Russia. We got all some information that they are not 100% sure, but most likely there is a biolab down below the factory because this oligarch who was uh, in uh, charge of the factory, who owned the factory, Uh, collaborated a lot with uh, the u.s and you know the u.s had a lot of has a lot of biolabs in ukraine so most likely it's there's one down there
0: now the other thing we've heard is that there's nato people possibly in with the Azov people have you heard anything about nato advisors or mercenaries being in there have you heard anything on the ground there about that
4: yeah, there was rumors that there is uh, the, or there was a French commander, high commander. And this is why Macron uh, all the time uh, made phone calls with uh, President Putin to have a safe, uh, that he would be safe and can go back to France. But if it's happened, I don't know. But apparently a lot of times they tried to yeah, bring them in safety. Even one helicopter was shut down. So this is what's what we heard also from the ministry. So and it's actually the same again as in Syria. They also had a NATO commanding center close to the Jordanian border. So I'm not surprised when it's when it would be there. It's that's what they do.
0: Now, you mentioned in your Syria experience that they were they had snipers out. And I've heard the same thing in Patrick Lancaster's videos that they're snipers. Is that accurate? Have you heard people talk about the snipers?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. This woman told me that when they had to get food and water for the for the Ukrainian army or, yeah, the battalions who are emerged with the Ukrainian army. And some people, she saw some people went out and got shot by snipers. So there must be uh, snipers that time on the roofs over there. And
0: so those are Ukrainian snipers, Ukrainian military snipers who are shooting at civilians, correct?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's awful when you think about it, but that's correct. I also heard stories, but I cannot verify that. But a lot of people apparently got shot in the legs when they were trying to escape. or And uh, you see a lot of, yeah, I heard that a lot of older people who were hiding in the basements got shot in the legs. So it's also very horrible.
0: Yes. And, and when I've seen Russians over there, they're giving out humanitarian aid. And so on. The, the, is that a big
4: operation? Yeah, yeah. Everywhere where we, where I went, the uh, the humanitarian aid is uh, provided, and also uh, one told me there that they cannot bring it to the same place every day because of yeah the enemy. If they know that the Russians are giving every day, let's say at ten o'clock, uh, go and go to this square, we give you uh, some aid, then there might be yeah. Something happening, so every time it's on another place somewhere in the city, y-
0: yes and and how how difficult is it for you to hear when you talk to my experience in Beirut it was i I had never covered war stuff before. It was very emotional for me. um when people were telling us stories, when you're talking to civilians. Does it get emotional for you sometimes, Sonia?
4: Yes, of course. It's very, especially when you see all the all the people, let's say, in their seventies, or worked all their life very hard, and children, and. You see them walking to get water, then, yeah, it's really bad. Then you feel, yes, I get emotional. Yes, of course. I mean, it's it's so bad. I mean, also, it's bad for young people, but these older people, maybe all their relatives are dead or whatever. And, yes, I feel uh, with them. Same in the Syrian war. You feel with the people. You can see uh, that's what I always say. You can see the war in their eyes. They have these empty, empty eyes, I would say.
0: And I've noticed in Patrick's videos there seems to be a lot, loads of children around. And the children are acting often in the videos like children. They're just playing with pets or whatever. But, you know, dealing with something no child should actually deal with. is. Have you seen a lot of kids...
4: Yes. uh, I think that maybe the parents uh, or even the men, for sure, they're all drafted in the army, not the the Russian army, but the LPR or the DPR army. And yeah, I see young women who have children, uh, but also a lot of children I saw with most likely their grandmothers. And yeah, you could see them walking through the city. Their coats were dirty, their faces were dirty, but still trying to play or when you speak to them a little bit, uh, they try to laugh. You know, the army was giving them a little bit of chocolate and so on. And so they, yeah, they were happy then. But I think they don't realize that maybe it's war. It will come later, I think. It's like in Syria. Later on, when they uh, are a little bit older, like the children from who were abused by the jihadists that time, that. Yeah, when it's over, maybe then they start realizing. But now, no, you can see them playing and, yeah, for them it's normal, perhaps, playing in the rubble, you know. It's awful.
0: Now, what it, What did someone tell you that's going to stick with you, that's going to, you know, take you to bed, you know, haunt you in your sleep? Has anyone told you something like that that stuck with you?
4: Yeah, there was an old lady that was in Vakna. that was a lady who was, yeah, I think in her 70s somehow, maybe some younger, I don't know. But anyhow, I spoke with her and she worked all her life in the hospital and then the Ukrainians came uh, together with, yeah. Asov, I suppose, or other medical groups. And they uh, went in the hospital. They threw all the patients out. They had to go home or yeah, whatever, maybe on the streets. And she, as an old lady, had to provide for the food for them. And she also lived next to the hospital, and she had a little house there. And then uh, one day the Ukrainians uh, realized that the Russians would come. So before they left the city, they destroyed the whole city. And also the hospital and her house. So she was there alone on the street. I think her husband died, her children, I don't know. So that's, I still uh, remember, I remember that lady all the time. And last time I went back to volnovaka after two weeks, but I tried to find her, but I couldn't. So it was only there. Yeah, we were there for 10 minutes or so, not so long. So, okay, that's, but yeah, that's a story for me that I, yeah. I always remember.
0: Yes. Yeah. No. Fantastic, and thanks for sharing that story, because because I I just know that stuff sticks with you as a reporter. You you try to be objective, and you can be be objective about the facts. But the fact is, people tell you their stories, and they want the world to know, and they have a sense that the world is not finding out. And in this case. The world is being lied to by the media, by the Western media, and the true story of Mariupol is tragic enough that it doesn't need extra lies. And so that's what I think. But Sonia's fantastic talking to you. Stay safe.
4: If people want to re- read your writing, you're at covert action, right? Yes, that's right. Global Research, COVID Action, and of course, uh, a lot of magazines in the Netherlands, but they cannot read. But COVID Action is, uh, yeah, you can also go to my YouTube channel. There's, I'm trying to upload some, uh, it's small videos, but you have an impression about Mariupol and so on. And coming days, I will go again. So next week, so then I will have some more uh, stories.
0: Very good, Sonia. Thank you so much for your time. Stay Thank safe. Thank you.
4: Thank you for interviewing me.
0: Thanks a lot. There we go. Great interview and vital information. And I mentioned on there several times the videos of Patrick Lancaster. I'm really going to recommend if you want to get a good companion piece to that interview, watch the videos from Mariupol by Patrick Lancaster. You can do it. By going onto YouTube and typing in a search box his name, Patrick Lancaster. And you'll find recent videos he's done. I think that's a good way to balance what he's saying. And you can see him do the interviews, as I say. You can see how he means to people. And hear what they say for themselves. And balance it out with Sonya's great reporting. This is clear. What's going on? And finally, on the Elon Musk freakout day, let me say that there's a disturbing trend that I want to point out. The trend now is not against any specific position, but against free speech as such. That's what we're seeing. People, and I'll tell you where else you saw with the, with the Joe Rogan controversy. People were literally pulling their songs off of Spotify because they would dare put on somebody who airs controversial viewpoints. And that is a trend that's very dangerous. You can't be against freedom of speech as such without it eventually coming back To bite you. So it's a suicidal position. But. You should. You don't have to be in favor of Russia. You don't have to be in favor of Ukraine. But you have to be in favor of facts. And you have to be open. And willing. To come to a better conclusion. And Sonia's reporting. On this subject. And the videos of Patrick Lancaster. Are ways that you. Can. Identify stuff. And again, right and I are saying, we're reporters, the f- ones who stand by their positions are the ones who are in favor of free speech. And there's a lot of reporters who will talk to you and who won't talk to you on Twitter. And the ones that won't talk to you are generally people who have something to hide. They're not too busy. They just got something to hide. We'll be back tomorrow. Great show. Thanks, Kirk Carmine Sabia. Thanks to Scotty Nell Hughes. And thanks to Sonia. We'll see you tomorrow on The Backstory.